I love a song that says, he will make me brave. I don't have to make myself brave. I can fully depend on him. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Corner, are you in the house? If you are not in the house, I know that you are online. So Amen Corner, get ready this morning. We have a guest with us today. I'm excited. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to introduce her here shortly. Some of you have known her even longer than I have, and some of you are meeting her today. I can't wait for you to meet um, our guest today. And she's not even a guest. I mean, she's been here a long time at Lover's Lane. Um, I want to say, are you scooting us in just a little bit? I think, okay, there we go. We've been in a series called, called Discovering Our Purpose. How many know you have a purpose? You do. Some of you are raising your hand this morning going, I think, not sure, maybe, but you do. I promise you were created with a purpose. We're also on our second week back in person. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yes. So as we keep going into this series, it's our Lenten series, and it's a time of reflection. It's a time for us to take a moment and discover what that means to really walk and to live into that purpose. And so our way of, of putting that together was through a series and giving seven steps to discovering that purpose. And if you remember our first week, was listening. How many of us discovered we may not listen as well as we thought we did? <laughs> Clyde, you're laughing. <laughs> then step two is sacrifice. What are we willing to sacrifice in order to do what God has called us to do? Then last week we discovered that one of the greatest tools through finding our call is failure. That one hit hard, didn't it? Because one of the greatest tools that God will use in showing us our call are owning our failures. So today I have asked Pastor Kay to join us to discuss our step number four, which is perseverance. Now I have to be honest. This is one of those things where I don't want to ask for it just like I don't want to ask for patience because I'm afraid he's going to give it to me. But you need to understand that perseverance is so important along this faith journey that we all take together. Many of you know Pastor Kay, but as I said earlier, many of you do not. Pastor Kay has been here at Lover's Lane for over 15 years. It's a long time. Long time, yeah. It stuck around. Pastor Kay is our executive pastor. So she makes sure all the business runs like it's supposed to and keeps all the pockets in place. It's a lot. It's a lot. But she also has an anointing to preach and she has something to say. And so I wanted her to come in today and speak because I thought there was no one any better to speak on the topic of perseverance and Pastor Kay, she has a story to tell and a lot to say today, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for asking. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. All right, are you guys ready to walk this journey today with us? You ready? All right. 
If you want, pull out your phones, your Bibles, whatever you're having. We're going to start at Ruth chapter 1. But keep them out because we're going to run through Ruth a lot today. And if you want to follow us, we're going to be talking through several chapters. But I'm going to read to kind of give you the beginning of the story. I'm going to skip a little bit, but from chapter 1, I'm going to go to verse 8. Now, hold on. When I'm reading this, the story does get better, okay? So it does have its good ending. If you're like me, I won't watch a movie that has a bad ending. And I kind of tune out. So hold on, stay with us. This is the rough part, but it gets better. Verse 8, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Go turn back, each of you, to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you just as you have done with the dead and with me. May the Lord provide for you so that you may find security, each woman in the household of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and and wept. But they replied to her, no, instead we will return with you to your people. Naomi replied, turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Will there again be sons in my womb? That they would be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters, go. I am too old for a husband. If I were to say that I have hope, even if I had a husband tonight and even more, if I were to bear sons, would you want to wait till they grew up? Would you refrain from having a husband? No, my daughters, this is more bitter for me than for you. Since the Lord, his will has come out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth stayed with her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more, so even if death separates me from you. So talk about bad to worse. So let me back up just a little bit. What has happened prior to this scripture is that there's this beautiful family, sons and daughter-in-laws, and there's the matriarch and the patriarch of the family. And guess what happens? All the men die, every one of them. Naomi's husband, Ruth's husband, Orpha's husband, they all die. So not only does Naomi lose her husband, she loses her sons. Not only does Orpha and Ruth lose their husbands, they lose a father-in-law and they lose everything and they have to leave. And Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Talk about going from bad to worse. Naomi and Ruth have literally lost everything in their entire family. The perseverance is about to come with this statement, wherever you go, I will go. It's about to come in a way that she would never know what that statement meant. How many of us can relate to that? How many in this room feel like, hey, I've been there, done that, I've lost it all? I don't even know sometimes where the pieces come, but I keep taking one step in front of the other. Because the calling 
and purpose that comes with who you are is going to require perseverance. The calling and purpose that comes with who you are is going to require perseverance. None of us get through this easy. When we've listened and we've sacrificed and we've owned our failures, we think, okay, we're good now. No, it's still not easy. It will take every ounce of your strength to keep putting one foot right in front of the other and keep moving, keep staying on task, and keep pushing through. Walter Elliott, a former Secretary of State in Scotland, said it like this. He said, perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after another. Along this journey of step four, we will see that this journey for Ruth is many short races, one right after the other, headed in the same direction for the same purpose. But she never gives up. I believe she knows her call is far more than what she could ever see or feel. Her call in that moment, though, required perseverance. Pastor Kay, I would love this morning if you would share some of Ruth's short races with us that she took on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Didi. I want to say good morning to you all. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, like Didi said, I've been a part of Crosswalk since 2002. I started coming in 2002, nearly 20 years ago, if you can believe that. I officially joined in 2004. Awesome and was called to go on a mission trip to Honduras in this room, called by God in this room. Went to Honduras, went to seminary. Lover's Lane supported me the whole way. Um, through getting married, I got married in this room because Crosswalk has been so important in my life. And so I'm just delighted to be here with you. Talking about one of my favorite scriptures in Ruth. As Dee said, we're gonna talk about what it means to persevere in our call, and often it's a bunch of short races. I love that idea that it's a bunch of short races. And I like to think about it by saying that the call by God on our lives is really to do the next right thing. We're called to do the next right thing and then to do the next right thing and then to do the next right thing. And sometimes we mess that up, don't we? I know that I have many times. And when we mess it up, what do we do? We do the next right thing. Get up and do the next right thing. You get back on track by doing the next right thing. And, and in Ruth, we see this story, and I want to share with you this morning three places where I see that Ruth chose to do the next right thing and then how that applies to our calling as well. First, I believe that God calls us, and as we persevere, we are to run the race mm -hmm. even when we don't know where we're going, even when we don't know what we're running into. We're called to run the race even when we can't see the finish line. You see, Ruth and Naomi, they've just experienced this tremendous loss, this tremendous pain. As Dee Dee set up for us, Naomi, she left Bethlehem with her husband. His name was Elimelech, if anybody's looking for a baby name. <laughs> their two sons, they, they go with them because there's severe famine in Bethlehem. They can't feed their family. They decide, we're going to go. We're going to take the family to Moab, which is 50 miles walking east of Bethlehem across the Dead Sea. And her sons, they're there, they marry Moabite women, which was not forbidden, but they're foreigners. And, and unfortunately, tragically, her husband and sons die. And that leaves her with Ruth and Orpah, her daughters-in-law. And I'm just going to give you this tidbit of trivia for free. 
Oprah Winfrey, did you know this? She was named after Orpah and Ruth, but they couldn't pronounce her name, so they just started calling her Oprah. Anyway, total side, sidebar, but that's your free trivia for the day. But Ruth and Naomi, they're faced with this uncertain future. They have no idea how they're going to stay in, in Moab. Naomi says, I have to go back home where my family can take care of me. And Ruth says, I will go with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Ruth is called to go to Bethlehem, to this place that she has never been with her mother-in-law. And she is so faithful to this call to run this race, even when she didn't know what she was running into. I would venture to guess many of us in this room this morning, I know you and I have, experienced similar things. Loss that is just crippling or an uncertain future or feeling like an outsider without protection from anyone or making a decision to, to go towards something uncomfortable out of our comfort zones. And what we find is that Ruth's story fits right into that place because, you see, this is a story about faithfulness and this is a story about redemption. It's about a woman who persevered in following God's call on her life and she's adamant. She says, I'm going to cling to you. I mean, like, picture clinging. I'm gonna, we can't. We have to stay six feet apart. I'm going to cling to you so tightly. And the Hebrew word there that's that in that verse is actually the word dabak, D-A-B-A-Q. And I actually had this word engraved on my husband's wedding bands because it means I'm sticking with you. No matter what, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to cleave to you. But, you know, I think there's more going on here than just what's happening between Ruth and Naomi. I think Ruth is saying, God, I'm going to cleave. I'm going to cling to. I'm going to stick to you and your call on my life. She's called to go to this new land of Bethlehem that she has never been before as a a foreign woman, single woman, widowed. And she says, yes, God, I will go. And she goes. And, And I mean, this is incredible. She's willing to step into something that's completely unknown, trusting that God will be with her. And so she runs her race, even though she doesn't know exactly where she is going. So sometimes I think God calls mm-hmm. us to do the same, right? Absolutely. I wonder if there is some place in your life, something that God has been calling you toward, but perhaps you have been paralyzed because you can't see the finish line. You don't know how the story is going to end. Maybe today is the day to do the next right thing and to run the race even when we don't know what we're running into. You know, the second thing I, I draw from this, or I glean from this, if you've read Ruth, is that we are to run the race even when it is hard. We are to run our short race even when it is hard. How many of you know about hard? We know about hard. She goes and she does this right thing, and we read that she gets to Bethlehem, and Ruth and Naomi, they stir up this whole scene in Bethlehem because here are these two widowed woman, women, they're back from, from Moab, and And Ruth 2, verse 3, says that she's now living in Bethlehem, and she has to do something to take care of her mother-in-law. So she went out. She began to glean, glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turns out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, her father-in-law. This is significant because Boaz is a relative who can help these women. But 
what we see is that Ruth goes and she gleans the fields. She has to follow after the servant women. In those days and time, you would have men who would come through and they would cut down all of this stuff, the barley stuff, and then the women would come and they would make bundles. And then here comes Ruth. She's able to go after the servant women and pick up just the scraps that didn't make it into those bundles. So her status has changed, right? She's no longer a married woman in her hometown. She is widowed, a foreigner, and now she's allowed to pick up scraps after the servants. And I wonder, I wonder if this is a hard place for her. I wonder if she's embarrassed by her status change. I wonder if, she, um, if she's self-conscious. You know, I wonder what's going on for her there. But she does the hard work. She does it even when it's hard, even when it was embarrassing, even when it was challenging. She followed God's call. She did the next right thing. And she finds that God provides for her in that place. God provided extra for her as she was going to pick up these leftovers. And I think that for us, as we go to the places God calls us to go, that the work is often very hard. Amen. Amen. And we are called to run that short race, even when it's hard, knowing that God is with us, preparing the way for us, providing for us. I'm reminded of the scripture in Matthew that many of you may be familiar with. It's chapter 16, verse 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, hey, if anyone wants to come and follow me, this is what you have to do. You have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow after me. This is the call that God has on all of our lives to follow Jesus. And it's not easy. When God calls you, it's not easy. In fact, it's very hard, I would say. We aren't guaranteed ease or just be, or the simple life because we follow Jesus. We're guaranteed the opposite. Go and pick up your cross. What does the cross symbolize? It symbolizes death, yeah. that we're dying to ourselves. This is hard. But when we pick up that cross daily, knowing that God is with us, we run the race mm. even when it's hard. This is part of what it means to persevere. We don't give up and we don't turn back when the going gets hard because Jesus Christ himself is with us in the hard. Is there a place in your life where you're experiencing hard? How is God calling you in that place? I pray that you will find that God is right there with you and that you will do the next right thing. Another thing that we can learn from Ruth's perseverance that we're to run this race with obedience. This is a hard one, right? Okay, I think I'm going to go sit down. Here. Yeah, right? Whew. I mentioned that Boaz was a relative. And in this day and age, in this culture, it would take someone who is a relative or a kinsman in order um, to help care for Ruth and Naomi to bring status back to them. It had to be someone who is willing to take care of them. And so Naomi gives Ruth this instruction in chapter 3. And I hope that you'll go back this week and read all of Ruth. Um, She gives her this instruction and says, go lay at the feet of Boaz, who is on the threshing floor. That sounds so weird. I mean, if my mother-in-law was like, hey, you need to go lay down, uncover his feet, and then go lay down, I'd be like, what in the world are you asking me to do? They smell. It's it's weird, right? It's weird. But Ruth, as she persevered, she realized that part of her calling was to be obedient to God and to the people who God had placed around her to care for her and love her. And so we read in Ruth chapter 3 that she follows Naomi's guidance. And after they have bundled up all the the barley bundles, they're on the threshing floor for the next step of that. And that's where Boaz is taking a a rest. 
So she goes and she uncovers his feet and she lays down. And there's this hilarious verse. This is why you have to read the Bible. There's this hilarious verse. verse uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 8 says, In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned over and discovered a woman lying at his feet. <laughs> it's so funny to me. There's nothing shady going on here. Ruth is of high character and so is Boaz. This is just a cultural difference for us. This is the way that Ruth was asking, you know, would you marry me? Would you take care of me? And Boaz agrees. He said, yes, I will be your kinsman redeemer and I will marry you. So you see, Ruth had a call from God on her life. And as we read her story, we continue to see that she did the next right thing. She persevered. She ran that short race when she didn't know what she was running into, when it was hard, and when she had to be obedient. And all of that is awesome, right? That's great. It it applies to our own callings, but we save the best news for last. This is it. The good news is that as we run our race, Mm. God is redeeming. As we run our race, God is redeeming. Mm. When we live out our call by God, God is redeeming. The story of Ruth is about redemption and restoration. God is always in the business of redeeming, always. And it is, that it's, it's happening now. God is redeeming. God redeemed Ruth's story through her faithfulness and through the character and compassion of Boaz, who became her kinsman redeemer. And that whole word there, kinsman redeemer, it's so weird for us, this idea of a kinsman redeemer. Because a kinsman redeemer was somebody who is related to you, who would take responsibility for you for your whole life. A kinsman redeemer was one who would love you and care for you and walk with you and ensure your safety. But not all of us have a Boaz in our life. Not all of us have that kinsman redeemer in our life. But this morning, the good news is that yes, you do. Yes, you do, and his name is Jesus Christ who came in the form of a baby, took on flesh and became like us and died for us while we were yet sinners. And the grave could not contain him, and Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And because of that, you are redeemed. Jesus takes responsibility for your whole Mm -hmm. life. Jesus loves you and cares for you and walks with you to provide salvation. That is the good news. That is the good news. That's really good news. Really good news. Really good news. But some of you this morning might be sitting here thinking there's no way that God can call me. There's no way that God can redeem what has happened. There's just no way. God can't use me. Maybe you think you've messed up things too badly or you've been too far from God or you're not holy enough or whatever. But Jesus is always in the business of redeeming. God is always redeeming. God is bringing about restoration through Jesus Christ even now in this moment and calling you. And God says, persevere, I am with you. And so my prayer for you this morning, my friends, is that through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, you would hear God's call as you listen, as we fail, as we sacrifice, And then as we persevere, so that you would run that short race, even when you don't know what you're running into, even when it's really hard, and even when it requires obedience. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kay, for sharing. 
this. I don't know about you, but I believe in that story when you were, especially in that middle part of that story, thinking how many times Ruth might have said, did I really say where you go? I'm going to go, God, did I mess up by doing that? How many of us have been in this place where we thought, did I really do the right thing? Am I really doing the right thing? Is what's in the back of my mind that I keep feeling like God's calling me to do, is it really God or is it me? When I was a kid growing up, I had this aunt that was my favorite aunt. I am, matter of fact, my, my mom and her were best friends so much so that I am named after her. And she was the coolest. She was uh, like my mom. So I had these strong women came in my life. And my Aunt Reen, um, she wrote songs for the Louisiana Hayride. And, and that got her through college to get her master's in engineering back in the day when you didn't do that. And my aunt was so cool. She designed safety equipment to help people. And when I was about six years old, that beautiful woman, gorgeous brown hair with high heels that were on point, Brittany. Her face made up. She was gorgeous, standing in a room full of men by herself leading the way. She develops a form of cancer in the blood that just got a hold of her. And I remember watching her go through the process of losing her hair and her eyebrows and her eyelashes. And I would watch her every day that I was over there, usually on a Sunday morning put on her eyelashes, paint on her eyebrows, put her beautiful wig on, put those heels back on because she was going to give God all she had. And then I watched her go on to design where she won award after award after award for these safety things, eyewear and earplugs and vests that would save lives for people that were on the job while she is sitting there sick as she could possibly be. And there were so many times I thought about how do you give up and keep going and not give up. And I remember my aunt. She stepped out in faith and she never gave up. Whatever you do, do it on purpose. And I remember that line that she would say to me every day, Dee Dee, whatever you do, do it on purpose. Because tomorrow may or may not come, but whatever you do right now, do it on purpose. When we listen to God, when we sacrifice our wants, when we own our failures, and when we keep pushing through to redemption, God will move, God will show up, and God will use you. God will use you. God will use you. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close, close they were to success when they gave up. Thomas Edison. Let me say that again. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. 
whatever you do, do it on purpose. You have a story to tell. You have a purpose to live out. And maybe yours doesn't look like Ruth. Maybe you are the Naomi in the story. Maybe for some of you, you've been Moses and you've been living and standing in front of that burning bush going, I can't move, I'm paralyzed. <laughs> Maybe some of you have been like Moses and said, well, I don't, I don't speak well. So there's no point in God using me. And God says, it's not about how well you do something. It's about what Pastor Kay said, how obedient are you going to be? Whatever you do, do it on purpose. it's your story to tell and only you can tell it